Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild story, you a wild a story, I can't stop saying it, friends. I'm just going to keep going. This is like literally the fifth time I tried recording this. You have a wild story. A wild a story. I don't know why I keep saying it like that. Wild story that you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member. With a membership, you're going to get access to all the bonus shows that come out on Thursdays, the ad-free listening for the Tuesday shows, and all the overtime segments available when they are available right there on the Castos app and on the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. If you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out. Also, I've been talking about doing the live show. Yes, me and Hillbilly Horror Stories are doing a live show this September, September 30th, 2023 from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. That's right. We're going right down the street here to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we're going to have ourselves a good time. So if you want to come on out here and hang out with us and rock on and rock on all night long, you can come on out to the Gatlinburg, Tennessee show. Link is in the description below. Get your tickets now because they're going hot. Thank you very much now. All right, we're back to the normal scheduled program here. Uh, if you want to come out and hang out with me and Hillbilly Horror Stories, go ahead and check out the link in the description of this episode. Get your tickets while they're available because there is limited seating. All right, also check out EMPShield.com. That's EMPShield.com. They sell devices for your homes and your cars. 
And these devices will help protect your home and car from EMP attacks or blasts, whether it is a natural phenomenon or an actual attack on our culture and society you can make sure you get home to your family. If you're at work, you know your car or your truck is going to run if you install the EMP Shield. So go ahead, check it out. EMPShield.com. Use coupon code TONY for $50 off every item you purchase on that website. So go ahead and check it out. EMPShield.com. Also, just a reminder, we do have Expedition Dogman available on Amazon Tubi and on Vimeo On Demand. You can go to the website Merkle.media and check it out. All the links are listed on that website. Thank you very much. All right, today we got Midnight Mike coming on the show and Midnight Mike hosts OBDM podcast. That's our big dumb mouth podcast. He is a veteran in the podcasting game and I'm really glad to have him on the show today. He comes on to talk about these odd experiences people have during abductions. Not every abduction, but today we are focusing on abductions with the sexual nature involved where people are claiming to have sexual encounters when they're abducted by ET, whether it's interdimensional entities or entities from a faraway galaxy. We're not here to discuss that today. We're going to be discussing the fact that a lot of people are claiming to have sexual encounters during their abductions. And he brings that to the table today. So let's get to Midnight Mike from our Big Dumb Mouth podcast right now. All right, today we got Mr. Midnight Mike from our Big Dumb Mouth podcast. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Man, I'm glad you're here. So uh, listen, man, you and I have talked on and off for quite some time now. I think our first interaction was probably, um, I don't know, I, I, was it on the uh, Union of the Unwanted, probably, I'd imagine? Yeah, it was uh, Union of the Unwanted. I think uh, Sam and Charlie invited you on. Um, I think you were... you. You work with Charlie of Macroaggressions. You came on when Sam and I were really pushing to do more paranormal and UFO stuff. And yeah, that's where I met you. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I remember, and you and I were just talking here a little bit, and I remember hearing you talk about certain things technologically. And I was like, man, this guy is somebody that uh, knows his stuff. And just the audio sound of your broadcast is fantastic. And I just shared um, your uh, a segment of your broadcast uh, a few weeks ago uh, it was the uh, 2023 predictions, and uh, people freaking liked it, man. They really liked it a lot. I think uh, that that actually had uh, numbers. I think I think uh, the previous week's show that I put out, your your segment I put out had higher numbers than the previous week's show I put out. So, <laughs> oh wow! Congratulations for beating me on my own platform. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, well, no thank problem. you for uh, championing, uh, like uh, promoting us, OBDM, and uh, you have been a huge proponent of us. And uh, same with Charlie of Macroaggressions. Like, we OBDM is a relatively small niche show, and uh, the people that like it do like it. And it's pretty, it's a podcast for other podcasters, pretty much. It's it's very niche. So I really appreciate you you giving us uh, a, an ear to, or I guess a mouth to your audience's ears. So it means a lot to us. Yeah, absolutely. I suggest everybody listen. Like it, I don't know. I, I you you said that, and I I kind of I don't know. I don't know if I agree. Like like a, a podcast for other podcasters. Um, when I listen to your show, man, I think everybody could relate to it. It's just it's it's really good. It's really good. High and the quality of the audio. I I'm a big stickler on. 
And uh, I think that you guys have a great quality show and the content's awesome. So everybody should definitely check out uh, our Big Dumb Mouth podcast, OBDM. And uh, it, so, t- it, 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 does, it takes a few episodes to get into it. <laughs> you think so? I, I, all right. Well, I maybe, so. yeah, maybe, maybe. But I think people will definitely like it. Give it a shot. Give it a listen. And as always, I always tell people uh, when you go over to like Apple or Spotify and you are checking out a new show before you hit play on it, just as a common courtesy, you go to the ratings, you give them a five-star rating review and say, I'm new here, but I love it. And you just then you hit play because that's what common courtesy nice folks do these days. Uh, I'm trying to spread some positivity in this world. And everybody wants to go on these things and, and uh, they make you feel like you have to earn their rating and review. Just give it to them. You know, they, they do this stuff for free. Just give them a good rating and review and show some love. Um, so... Today we have you here and uh, we, listen, you're like a treasure trove of information. I mean, you have, I, I think I even asked you one time, like, where do you even find all these articles? You're like, oh, just around. <laughs> and and uh, you just, you're constantly coming out with new information and stories and uh, articles. Like you are literally the, the, the paranormal conspiratorial alternate media news of the day. And I freaking love it. So today we're going to talk about uh, abductions around the topic of what happens after the abduction, meaning sexual encounters. Uh, you've been uncovering a lot of different things, and um, we're not even going to touch on a fraction of the things we could talk uh, touch on because you mentioned how it could be a four hour episode. Uh, so, and some people are like, "Yes, four hours." We're not doing four hours. I got two other interviews today. So. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let, where do we start off, man? Where, where are we going here? Well, um, I, I typically, when I read about the UFOs and the paranormal, I look for common themes among, uh, different encounters. Uh, some of the common themes when it comes to like UFO and humanoid encounters, typically, this is what I found. Um, typically when a, a human is uh, encountering, uh, a non-human, they come in a couple of different forms, meaning that if a human encounters a non-human and it's one-on-one, that means it's a mutual exchange of information. They're coming to you with respect. If you happen to see three aliens, I will say, uh, that means that they're most likely, like, they're most likely coming to abduct you and to do some sort of research. There may be an exchange of information, but they're there to take something from you. If you see uh, five or more. Uh, that means that they're more interested in the environment, gathering samples from the environment, Earth. If you happen to be in that environment, they will treat you as as if you're a plant or an animal, and they have much less care for your well-being. Um, uh, typically, when there are encounters with like UFOs or saucers, there's a, a buzzing sound that often uh, accompanies that. Um, but in these next few stories that I have, there are commonalities or common themes among abductees and their sexual um, themes throughout that. And throughout the ages, there have been stories of uh, non-humans abducting uh, humans, whether it is uh, the, uh, the fairy tales of Iceland where fairies will come and abduct children and replace those children with changelings. I'm using quotes there, changelings or, uh, throughout like the middle ages and uh, colonial times where 
there will be a succubus or an incubus that will invade the bed of a human and have sexual relations with that. I mean, this goes back to like uh, uh, even some like storied authors like Charles Dickens. Uh, Charles Dickens, uh, he would seek out haunted inns and haunted uh, houses in order to sleep in them in the hopes of having some sort of sleep molestation. Now, whether that was by some paranormal entity or alien, I, I'm not making a distinction. I think that uh, at this point in time, when you talk about the paranormal, you talk about UFO and aliens at the same time. And Charles Dickens was way into this stuff, and he was looking for these kind of encounters. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know any of that about Charles Dickens. Um, so, w- with the these encounters, then that we're about to get into. Um, you, I forget how you you said it, but it made me feel like, oh, oh, the succubus. So succubus uh, and incubus. Yeah, the succubus and incubus. Uh, do you think that sometimes people have uh, encounters with those and they don't know how to define it, so they would call it an alien type encounter? Possibly. Um, I think in a lot of these paranormal instances, uh, the the entity will use what you already have in your mind to construct an image for you to see. Um, it's almost like uh, in a video game, there are assets, whether there's boxes, like like Minecraft, there's boxes, there's all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's only exists, those assets exist in that video game. So an entity would use those assets in order to construct something for you to understand what you're seeing. So back in the Middle Ages, they didn't have a lot of concepts about large alien, you know, large-headed alien, large eyes. So it would use different assets to build an image for you to view or for you to understand. Wow. I think it just uses what you, we, like us humans understand for that specific era to build an image for itself. Man, and that evolves over time. I, uh, this is really interesting because I had two guess on i've had more i know i have had more but i always come back to these two because it's funny because you do over 500 episodes and you usually remember the first time you encounter something on the show more than all the following ones Uh, at least it is for me so i remember i had a guy on my show jason i think it was episode 17 and uh he talked about being in an old farmhouse i believe where uh he saw this like apparition and it was flashing images at him and he's i think he even said one was like fred flintstone and that's it, 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 it's it was like it was trying to come like up with something that he would recognize. And then there was another guy, I think it was episode 70 something, Ryan, and he talked about seeing I, I think it was like a like a, a toy soldier he had standing on the end of his bed, but it was it was bigger than what he had. And it was like something was mimicking and, and representing an image that he was familiar with. That's what you're describing, it sounds like. Yeah, effectively, they're using your memories and your experiences to build an experience for you to identify with. I mean, there's a story of a, a young girl who, by all accounts, had an encounter with uh, with an incubus, um, which is like uh, what females experience. Males will experience a succubus. So she she was experiencing this weird sensation. She woke up to a playground on her chest and penguins on playing in the playground and she was amused by this but it did turn sexual uh afterwards but they initially made some sort of contact by using images that uh, she may held uh, may have 
been familiar with, like penguins, which are very cute, non-threatening, and uh, very disarming. So I, I think they do, uh, at least in some of these instances, use what you already know to build a relationship with you. Wow. Wow. I... You know, I feel like this is something that I that's just sitting right there, and and I just don't ever really connect the dots and think about uh, that. This is this is interesting. So, um, it, where where do we go from here as far as these Let's, stories go? So I'm gonna, I'll give you uh, the first one. So this one, this first one is from uh, Brazil, 1957. Uh, Antonio Villa Boas. This is a pretty famous story. It's a, a 23-year-old guy. He was out plowing his fields when he saw uh, a red star in the sky. Um, he paid no mind initially, but he did when it started moving towards him. It looked like uh, kind of like an egg, like a large red glowing egg. Well, it landed down not too far away from him. Three legs came out of this craft and it as it landed. Uh, at this point, uh, Antonio hopped off his tractor. And he kind of took off running. He was pretty scared by what he saw. Uh, but he was fairly immediately seized by five-foot humanoids wearing gray coveralls with helmets on. Uh, they, uh, they dragged him to the ship. Um, and there were three other humanoids you know, helping drag him to this egg-shaped UFO. So they threw him aside. They stripped off his clothing and told him to sit down. Well, he was kind of like aggravated, but he did comply. Next thing you know, once his clothes were off, they covered Antonio in this strange gel. Um, at, uh, at that point in time, uh, he started to feel like a weird sensation come over him. Then the aliens led him to this large semicircular room at which point he was introduced to a new kind of alien uh, that uh, took blood samples from Antonio. So this is maybe more of a doctor, like a more of a, a doctor scenario. Uh, so they took blood samples from him, and then they left him in the room for about 30 minutes, at which point in time they pumped some kind of weird gas into the room that made him violently ill. Um, so he's kind of recovering from that as he's recovering. Uh, a female humanoid entered the room and Antonio noted that uh, she was very attractive and also naked. Uh, also about five feet tall, had a pointed chin, uh, but had like cat-like features and also was uh, a, a blue tint. Uh, she had long platinum-covered hair, but her pubic region was a bright, fiery red. Uh, Antonio noted that he was strongly attracted to her. Uh, they had full sexual intercourse, and uh, Antonio did remember that he never recalled kissing. Uh, there was no kissing. It was all about the sexual interaction. He did note, though, that this female entity did nip at his chin, like in a, like a, a biting fashion. Afterwards, the female alien stood up, smiled, rubbed her belly and pointed up. Uh, and then she left the room and he was kind of like relieved that the whole ordeal was over. He was just kind of like, I don't know what happened. Something came over me. Uh, after a while, some other aliens came in the room. Uh, they kind of, they gave him, his, they threw his clothing at him basically. So they put that back on and basically, basically conveyed that the, the trip was over. 
they dropped him back off uh, at his uh, tractor, and uh, that was it for Antonio. Uh, four hours had passed from Antonio leaped off, leapt off his tractor to where he was dropped off again. Now, the, the, the commonalities in that story that I found through a number of other alien abduction sexual encounters was the weird gel that they, they put over you, uh, especially for males. So when you're abducted, uh, typically in any scenario, I wouldn't imagine you would be in the mood for sex. So they have to do something in order to maybe get you in the mood. And one of those ways is to spread this, this weird gel on your body that acts like an intergalactic Viagra, apparently. It does happen. Wow. <laughs> and it, that's one commonality that I found through a lot of other uh, scenarios. It's like a, it's like a, a concentrated KY jelly, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's not yes. watered down. Uh, it's the very mm -hmm. potent stuff. Um, that's that's So <clears throat> he has this experience and some of the things that are sticking out to me is kind of what you were just talking about. Uh, and I'm assuming this is probably the case that the alien that he wound up having sex with probably didn't look like what he saw. Uh, he, I mean, I, unless, unless they just, they, 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 uh, design certain aliens for these reasons and stuff. I can't imagine, I don't know, maybe, maybe this, that just something came over him. I don't know, but like, it seems like I wouldn't, I just can't imagine being turned on by an alien. It, yeah. It's tough to imagine. Um, especially in that circumstance. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very traumatic circumstance being taken from this earth by these non-humans and then expected to perform under pressure. You know, a lot of people can't even pee in public, let alone do this kind of stuff. And uh, it would be, I, I wouldn't be able to, to, to deal with it in this situation. And apparently Antonio, uh, with the, the aid of the Viagra gel, the intergalactic space Viagra gel, he was able to, to get the job done and he was able to get dropped back off again. Now, during that, what I didn't mention, he did try to steal something from the ship and in order to prove this happened to him. He tried to steal this clock-like device as proof of his encounter, but they caught him, took it away, and kicked him off the ship. How does he feel about the encounter? Does, does he feel like, I mean, hey, I just got to have free sex, you know, like life is good, or did he, did he have more of an issue with it and he was kind of scarred? Um, a lot of times... Uh, with these encounters, they in the moment experience pleasure, joy, and are into it. It's only upon reflection that they liken it to something like rape, um, where they may have not been in their right state of mind. They may have been under duress, and you make decisions in that moment that you do not completely agree with. I mean, you can liken it to being completely inebriated, drunk, and you do certain things when you're drunk that you would never otherwise do sober. Um, it doesn't mean it, like if you're getting crazy at a bar and having a great time, uh, that you're not having a good time in that moment. I just, upon reflection, you're like, oh man, I was acting like a real jerk. I, I, I was saying some weird stuff to people that I wouldn't normally say. I, I, I liken it to that, where there's like, there's some regret, but in the moment, they're mostly okay with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess 
there, there's got to be regret. There's got to be um, sense of violation. And, uh, and uh, I mean, how many people are having these experiences that have a significant other and that you come back and you feel like you cheated on them uh, and you're not in that right state of mind. And then like, how do you go, how do you rebound from that too? I mean, so uh, do you tell your significant other? Do you start seeking counseling? What kind of counselor do you see for this kind of thing? There's a lot of probably mental issues that people go through uh, after having these these dramatic experiences of uh, up and down emotions. I mean, I can imagine like you're terrified. All of a sudden, something comes over you, and now you're you're doing things that in the moment are very sensational. And uh, then afterwards, there's a lot of regret, sorrow, and guilt. Uh, it, it's got to be kind of all over the place. I, I've talked to some people in the past. Uh, I, I forget the guy's name. But uh, he had a similar situation where he went through abductions and uh, he believed he had hybrid children and he believed that he actually got to meet those hybrid children. And, um, and he seemed to have a very positive outlook on it in the sense that he was like, uh, at least when he was talking about the kids, that he like almost like a parental kind of thing. Like, like um, you know, it's your child, you know, it, it, like you you love it no matter what. And I think that's kind of like what he felt towards this. Um, but I, I do think that majority of people when they go through these things probably don't feel that way. Uh, I, I look at it very akin to kidnapping for sure. It, it seems like these entities have an immense amount of control, not only on how you react physically, but also emotionally. And it's tough to know where your thought processes begin and when uh, or end and when theirs begins, like how much influence do they really have over our emotional state? And I would say uh, uh, a great deal in some of these situations. Like for instance, like in 1998 in Houston, Texas, there was a fairly well-known uh, jazz singer named Pamela. She reported having sexual contact with this strange entity. One night when she was asleep, she found herself waking up and having sex with this beautiful uh, Greek god type of figure. She said the man was tall, blonde, had a beautiful face. She said the, the sex was furious, but she did enjoy it. So she, she enjoyed it. So she just kind of closed her eyes and just enjoyed the moment. The next time she opened her eyes, she saw a reptilian entity with scaly skin. This, of course... Uh, frightened the hell out of her, and she recoiled back. But then she heard a voice, a telepathic voice in her head that said, with me, you are safe. We have been together forever. We love each other. Uh, she described the reptilian as having uh, a very snake-like features, uh, smooth, like snake-like skin, uh, greenish-yellow eyes. And she said, well, yeah, the sex was furious. She depicted uh, described this uh, reptilian as a very sensitive lover. Now, Pamela had these experiences and she initially kept them pretty close and guarded to herself, but she wound up uh, telling her friends and family, not caring what people thought of her stories. Uh, uh, but that's like, if it was, in that instance, if it was like a mutual relationship, why the initial disguise as a beautiful Greek god? Why not just come as the reptilian race. That means that there is some deception involved there. And whether or not he really, or this entity really meant, you are safe with me, 
They could be lies. And that is one of the things that is also another common factor through a lot of these abductions is that the abductors seem to feed a lot of malarkey to the humans, whether it is predictions of the future or intent. Um, a lot of the predict predictions that are given to the humans don't really pan out. And it seems to be either a lot of BS or we're in a different timeline and their predictions aren't true for this one. Did she ever suggest uh, what she thought the reptilian meant by uh, we've, we're meant to, or uh, you're safe with me and we've been together or something like that? I mean, uh, I think there's probably a lot of people that probably think that there's some kind of past life situation going on here. That's what it uh, would indicate. She didn't, like, from what I read, she didn't indicate what that meant. Um, a lot of times uh, with these abductions, they do happen within a family, like a lineage. And that it's not just like, say, the daughter being abducted. It's the daughter. It's the mother. It's the grandmother throughout generations where there seems to be a, a blood connection to a certain entity and that uh, they belong to this union and connection. So and it's like, it, it does happen. It's, it's just like a, something that either the family deals with or they work to separate that. Wow. Yeah, so I mean that that's a great point. I mean, it, like the bloodline of of people, and then it begs the question: What's so special about certain people's bloodlines versus others? Um, and you know, the more I talk to people about this stuff, the more I I, I even question my own life uh, and the, in these kind of situations. Just because, like, I don't remember ever having anything extraordinary happen to me, but then I talk to people who you know years later start having these repressed memories come back and I just start sitting back thinking dear god I hope that never happens to me <laughs> like if, if like I hope I never have these kind of me memories and if 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 it happened to me I just I don't want to remember it there yeah I I have one memory that uh that has persisted for a long time the memory came back to me probably in my uh my early 20s and it's it's of me Right around, I would say, five to seven years old, I wake up face down on a table. My my arms are tied at each each corner of the gurney, and I'm up off the ground. And I look around, and I can sense and and hear other children in the room. And I, I kind of look over my left shoulder, and there's someone in all white standing behind me by my by my left foot. I'm face down. So uh, I got the sense that they were trying to calm me down. And I remember what, what strikes me as, as being some, as something more than just a dream or a figment of my imagination is that I managed to get my left foot free of the bindings. And I remember kicking back at this person behind me and feeling uh, an immense amount of like gratification that I was able to fight back during that. And then they held my leg back down again, tied it, and I passed out. That's all I remember. Um, and I asked my parents about this. I was like, did this ever happen? I asked uh, anesthesiologists about this. Um, and they said the only reason they would tie a kid down um, is if they were a danger to themselves. And the only operation I had at that point in time in my life was uh, tonsils. I had my tonsils taken out. Um, but I, I distinctly remember waking up in the hospital and having ice cream. I remember they promised me ice cream for my tonsils. I'm going to have ice cream. And my, uh, my parents said I never left their, their site during that uh, hospital visit. 
So I'm like, I'm trying to place when in my life that could have happened. Um, I talked to some psychics about this. They said we could do some kind of hypnotic regression to find out more. But uh, they said, once you go knocking on that door and start opening up those doorways, um, you might not be able to close it. And they said, if you're living a good life now, I would just not even go down that road. And it's like, how much do I want to really discover about this? But it is a memory that I think about at least once a week. I thought about it like literally every day, uh, like in my 20s, like what happened? Like, why can't I place this? Wow. So is that like, first of all, do, do you think, uh, hmm, let's, let's dive into Mike for a second. Uh, sure. So one uh, is, have you had other experiences in your throughout your life, and and this is just a, a piece of of many, or is this a one off thing, and you don't remember ever having any other experiences? But also, uh, if you remember that in your mid twenties, and the way you you just described it, uh, you kind of obsessing over it, were you into these kind of topics before that memory? And like, what what did this experience that you're remembering do for where you're at right now, as far as digging into these kind of things. Does it have a role in it at all? Um, I've always been into these topics as, as long as I remember. You know, I grew up in, uh, I was born 1977. And so on TV in the 80s was Unsolved Mysteries. And I remember always watching that with my, my family. And I remember going to the local library and checking out books on UFOs and, and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I remember during this time when I, when I got this memory back, I looked down and I had, like on, on my stomach, I had, Six marks, uh, three um, like parallel dots, like on, like right here on my uh, my stomach, and those faded probably in my early thirties. But I would they would always be there, and I was like, I never remember that. Like as a kid, like what are these? Like they look like uh, six symmetrical kind of freckles, but kind of like in a rectangular pattern, and they faded over time. Um, so I remember like, oh, that's that's curious. Uh, then I did have some paranormal experiences in my, uh, my early teens, um, out at, uh, my, my family went on vacation and, uh, we were at Myrtle beach. And so I, I was there with my mom and dad, my older brother, uh, my younger brother, who was much younger than me, about eight years younger than me and a family friend, Mike. Um, and one night I heard some commotion. I couldn't really place where it is. I was sleeping in a different room. Uh, my older brother, Jimmy, and Mike were sleeping in a different room. And I was like, something's going on. I, I can't place it. So I walked out into the living room just as Mike and my older brother were walking out. And they were like, did you, they were like, did you hear that, that guy out in the living room? I was like, no, no, I, I didn't hear anything. I, just, I, I heard some weird whispering, but I couldn't really place it. And then Mike said, I, I saw the, the ceiling ripple. I saw the ceiling ripple. And that's when we heard the voice from the hallway. So we kind of like compared notes and it's like, ah, something's going on. So we all slept in the living room, told my parents the next day. And my mom said, okay, Mike, uh, I'm going to sleep in your room. You guys can sleep someplace else. Like during that, my, uh, during that night, my mom said she heard children la laughter and playing while she tried to sleep and she couldn't place where it was coming from. She just attributed it to something else. Um, but she had an experience too. So whatever was going on in that house, uh, a good number of us experienced weird disembodied voices that we couldn't quite place. Um, and then like the most significant 
paranormal encounter I had was when I first went to college, first went to art school. I was 18. It's like the first two weeks in the dorm. I was uh, bunking with my roommate Windsor at the time. And one night as I was laying down in my bed, um, I heard a whisper come through the pillow into my ear. And I jolted up in bed. This is 1996. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I was like, I must have smoked too much pot. Something's going on here. So I laid my head back down. The whispering continued through the pillow again. I couldn't really decipher what it was saying. So I jolted my head away from the pillow uh, so fast. like I didn't want to hear. And so I sat up in my bed just trying to like gather my wits here. Then the whispering came from the corner of the room. And it was whispering something like, over and over again. I looked at my, my roommate, Windsor. He was fast asleep. Uh, he, he couldn't be woken up. I tried to wake him up, but the whispering persisted for, I would say, about 20 to 30 seconds before I picked up my pillow and my, my blanket and went out into the common area and just slept there for the next two weeks. Uh, over the course of that year in the dorm, there were various other things where, like, there's one day where I was walking, washing dishes, dishes in the, the kitchen and I, from behind me, I just heard like a big shushing sound, and there was no one else in the quad with me. Uh, I had two like two other roommates on the other side. There was no one else in there. Um, there was one time where I was in the the shower, um, and you always take your towel and your your toiletries into the shower with you, especially in the common room. I got out the shower. My towel was on the other side of the door, so someone would have to come in and take my towel. And move it on the other side of the bathroom door. Just kind of like weird, pranky kind of stuff like that. Um, and that persisted throughout that year. And uh, I don't think I got rid of whatever that was until I was like 23. Uh, I think whatever was with me attachment, it finally left me when I was 23. Where I had this kind of like insane dream uh, when I was living in a different house. And I was shook out of my bed and I wound up on the ground and all I remember from that dream experience was uh, Tim is no longer with you he's gone now <laughs> that's all I remember and then after that I haven't had another paranormal experience Okay, let's take a second to talk about our sponsor today, which is HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit company, and they're going to basically send you your dinner to your doorstep. High quality ingredients pre-portioned from the farm to your dinner table in a seven-day period. That's right. You can't say that about grocery store. You don't know how long it takes to go from the farm to the butcher, from the butcher to the warehouse, from the warehouse to the truck, from the truck to the grocery store, grocery store to your dinner table. It's probably more than seven days, but they are telling you right now, they are going to send it from the farm to your dinner table in a seven-day period. So you know it's not just pre-portioned. It is high quality. But the pre-portioned is great, too, because you're not going to be wasting the ingredients like a lot of people wind up doing. They buy too much at the grocery store. They throw the rest of it away. Or in my case, very soon, because I'm getting some pigs, I'm going to be throwing my dinner scraps to the pigs. But that's <laughs> back to this program here, Tony. Don't get distracted. 
HelloFresh is awesome, friends. And you're going to also have access to a lot of great programs like the Fast and Fresh recipes where you can actually make your dinner in less than 15 minutes. So a lot of people are on the go and busy. doesn't matter. HelloFresh has the quality, the pre-portioned ingredients, and the fresh recipes that are done in under 15 minutes. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessional65 and use code Confessional65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Confessional65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Go get your HelloFresh on today. All right, so it sounds like this is a targeted towards you. So nobody else had experiences in that dorm room. Uh, it was just something that you were dealing with yourself. Um, well, um, my buddy James and my other roommate Nate were um, they were in on my side of the room one day. They're drawing because you know you, in, during our school you get together and just kind of BS and draw. And they said uh, while they're uh, in my on my side uh, that my art box uh, flew off my bed and landed on the ground. So they experienced some like a physical movement of an object, uh, but they they were invading my space. So maybe they, they maybe whatever wa- was around me was saying to those guys, "Hey, get out of here!" But uh, they did experience some. And that dream where uh, you were shook out of your bed. Do you remember the details of that dream that kind of got you to that point where you're shook out of your bed and you hear that saying, "What Tim or Tom is no longer with you." Yeah, I remember uh, in that dream uh, walking up a staircase and there were three entities uh, hovering behind me, uh, disembodied, kind of white. And they, it, it was almost kind of like uh, they were just kind of hovering over me. As I walked, they moved with me uh, like they were they were with me. And um, then I just remember flopping out of my bed and just that message. Wow. Tim is no longer going to be with you. He moved on. That's interesting. That's interesting. I've been uh, I've been really coming to realize how uh, dreams are. They're they're not so. Um, I I don't look at them so passively anymore. Uh, I think dreams have a, a much more significance than what I used to give it credit for. So uh, hearing that, that they kind of just you know, kind of puts it into the book for me as you know, dreams are important because like it had a real effect for you, whether um, it was. Well, I, mean, I think it was a good effect because you, you you didn't have that thing. I mean, did you feel a sense of like, I don't know, aloneness because you didn't have that entity with you anymore? I tell you what, uh, during that period of my life from age 18 to 23, I was experiencing a lot of depression. I was mentally just like not a happy guy. Um, and I would just like, I would do various like things that would hurt myself, like on purpose, uh, whether it would be like cutting or just taking things to the absolute extreme, I would do. And once that dream happened, I did feel like a weight kind of lifted off of me. I wasn't as as depressed anymore. Uh, I didn't feel like a darkness around me. And I did feel a shift. And uh, the track in my life, certainly did change. I, I, I got a better job. Um, I started uh, achieving more career goals that I wanted and things just kind of turned around for me. And in like, in the, like, I don't like the dream state for me is just another life. Um, dreams impact you here because they can impact you emotionally 
And those emotions have physical reactions in this physical body. Um, and whether you want to say the dreams are real or not, it's kind of immaterial because you perceive them as real in that moment. And it has a real effect on your body, whether it's anxiety, fear, uh, joy, love. They have a real measured effect in our physical bodies here at a chemical level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember when I was a kid growing up, I don't remember the details of the dream, but I remember I would go to bed at night like thinking about how I wanted to get back to a certain dream because it was just so good. It, it just felt so good. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember laying in bed hoping that tonight's the night I can go back to that dream. And sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. It's funny, I've never talked about this on the show. And I talk about dreams a lot on the show. Uh, and it, it just kind of hit me with what you just said. I, I, I distinctly remember laying in my bed in Highland Estates Trailer Park in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, trying to prep my, my brain to go back to that dream that I left. And, and not every night I would hit it, but some nights I would hit it. It's really interesting that the whole dream state is very interesting to me. Um, and it's also interesting with how your life changed in that moment because it, it really makes me feel like there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with, with paranormal activity in their life. And that really might have a big reason as to why their life is going a certain way. Um, and that is something that I feel bad for people, you know, like that, that, that sucks that, because I mean, it's not like you can just be like, chalk it up as, yeah, I have this, this haunting in my life right now. And that's why things are going bad. You can't talk to people about that. You know, what, what, like, where do you turn the confessionals podcast? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you find a group of people that have similar experiences or at least feel a certain way. Like for me, I can't, it's, it's tough for me to put my finger on or to articulate. But sometimes when I wake up from a dream, it feels like I went to a job. Like I have certain missions I have to accomplish in certain segments of my dream. Like I have like tasks that I have to complete in my dream. I can't put my finger on it, uh, but it, it feels like in certain instances in these dreams, like whether it's the dream dimension has like 10 different doors. It feels like one of the doors I'm going to work and I have missions to do. And when I get back, it feels like work. The yeah. other, the other doors feel like they're, they're, enjoyment or nightmares, but one of them definitely feels like work. You know, I got to get my buddy back on the show, Mr. X Dreams. I haven't had him on a long time. And he, he really talks a lot about dreams. And one thing he told me back in the day is that, because I always told him I can't remember my dreams and I can't. And I've never done what he told me to do though. And he, he said that I need to start, um, whenever I do remember something, write it down, journal it. And uh, to start like verbally telling myself that I'm going to remember my dreams tonight when I go to bed. And uh, it works. I do that. Do you really? Yeah. My, my wife and I both uh, tried that. And on about uh, day five or seven, it starts to work because you're giving yourself a hypnotic suggestion to do something. Uh, and I haven't done it in a while. We did it a lot in Arizona and it does work. Did, now, all right. Let me ask you about this real quick. And then we will get back to alien sex. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, so. When you do that, is it just a thing where you're laying in bed and you're just like, I'm going to remember my dream tonight and then you go to sleep? Or do you kind of repeat it to yourself for a few minutes or what? Three times. I say it three times. Okay. I will remember my dreams. I will remember my dreams. I will remember my dreams. And that's it. And then uh, 
typically I'll drift off listening to some podcast or something like that. Um, and uh, then after a few days, you start remembering your dreams, at least more consistently. Uh, I still, I remember sporadic dreams right now, but when I was doing that mantra or that hypnotic suggestion to myself, I was remembering much more detail and much more frequently. Man, I'm going to, I got to. I'm going to start doing it. And then if I start remembering my dreams, we're going to have to like rename the show Dreamcast because like I'm just going to be talking about all the wild crap I remember from my dreams. I, I'm, I'm really getting fascinated by dreams. Uh, but all right. I don't know how we got... Oh. Well, real quick, but while we're, while we're still on dreams, so my, my wife would take it to like a different level. You can, once you get the I will remember my dreams down, you can start asking for directions, messages, uh, things like that. And, uh, before, like my wife was really much more into meditation and the spiritual side of life. I, I deal more with like UFO research and all the, uh, the strange stuff. And we, we come together and talk about stuff, but she, she researches the meditation and the more spiritual aspect. And she would ask for messages in her dreams. And I remember before the pandemic, she had this really uh, detailed dream. And when she woke up, she had a visible uh, vision where it, all it said was DNA, like DNA, like whatever was contacting her and trying to give her a message. They wanted, they wanted to tell her something was going to happen with DNA. And that stuck with her. And, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, it seems like our DNA is more and more important than we ever realized, whether it is, uh, DNA manipulation, augmentation through various technological means. It, it seems like uh, not only are the ruling elites interested in our DNA, but so are these alien visitors collecting genetic material from us. Yes. See, you're a professional. Well, look at that segue. Uh, so, uh, first of all, um, let me just add for clarification. Your wife was dreaming something. She opens her eyes and then she sees it. She sees it in her mind's eye. In her mind's she was eye. in a, she was in a, in a, the halfway, the twilight between dream and awake, that twilight state where you can get a lot of uh, work done when it comes to messages. That's when she, she saw it. Hmm. She said it was very vivid. And this, and she brings it up every now and again. Like that, she's like, that's, that mean, that meant something. What is it? <laughs> but I guess it's up for us humans to interpret what these messages means and how they could influence your life choices. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really incredible. Um, so you bring up the uh, collecting of DNA, and yeah. uh, that is obviously something that is a thought to be had when it comes to these abductions uh, and how people are uh, recalling their experiences. Uh, do you think it's as simple as they're trying to create hybrid human beings through these sexual acts and they need the DNA? In some instances, it does seem that way. Um, in others, it looks like they are doing it to uh, strengthen their own uh, lineage. So uh, some people think that the alien greys are here to harvest our DNA in order to hijack our souls. So hypothetically, uh, let's say that we, uh, us humans, live on level four. Uh, but our souls are capable of going to level t uh, six once it leaves our body. Like our souls are super powerful, but the alien greys live on level six and they're trapped on level six. They can't get to any higher level of existence 
without another means. And that is the hijacking of our soul creation process. And some people think that the reason why they're doing these hybrid programs is to get access to our soul in order to get to those higher levels. So while to us, they're super advanced and they have this high technology and they're able to go to different times or dimensions, now they're stuck on the level that they're given, which is six. They really want to get to those higher levels and they can only do that through our soul. So these higher levels and stuff, I mean, um, it's interesting because uh, what what's is, is it just a, a higher level of existence and that's what they're trying to ascend to? Or is there like a spiritual significance? You know, like it, it just seems like, well, at what level is good enough? I mean, how many levels are there, you know? Exactly. And a lot of this is, it becomes murky and we're left to uh, get information from either uh, transmediumship or messages from the aliens and what their true intent are. But it's tough to know whether or not what they tell us is is genuine. So I'll give I'll bring up one more story here. This is from Russia, 1992, and there was a Russian woman named Nico. Um, by her under her own, I guess, will she entered a telepathic and trance state, and she had physical contact with this ET civilization called the Uru. You are you. That's what she says. She said at that point in time, two humanoids entered her apartment and, and invited her to come with them on a trip. At which point in time, she said, sure, why not? I got nothing better to do. She said these humanoids were very tall, about nine feet high, uh, and they were wearing silver jumpsuits and helmets. Uh, they took her to this craft. As they approached the craft, on one side, she felt as though she was being lifted up and taken into the craft, like there was some sort of tractor beam that uh, floated her up and brought her inside the opening of this craft. Um, she noticed while she was inside the craft that the air in there was vibrating, like it was hyper-energized uh, form of like atmosphere in there. She was able to breathe, but it was just said it was vibrating. She noted that the walls inside the craft were uh, green and phosphorescent, like a, a weird kind of sparkliness to them. Um, she said that another humanoid joined them, um, like a, the third one, so three, very important there. And that this one, she got the impression that it was a, a female alien. And this female alien explained to Nico that uh, while she was sleeping, uh, they took genetic material from her and specifically genetic memories from Nico that were very useful and interesting to them, the humanoids, whatever that meant. They didn't elaborate on what was useful and interesting uh, about her specific DNA. Um, uh, because they then said uh, they were interested, the aliens were interested in humans because they were able to survive difficult conditions, but uh, they weren't. They didn't elaborate what made Nico specifically interesting to them, because they said humans interested in them in general because of their ability to survive difficult conditions. Um, she went on to say that the female was very well built, uh, slender, uh, did have unusually expressive uh, facial features, uh, and she did in introduce herself as Fa, F-A, 
Um, although she wanted to say that uh, they typically don't give themselves names because they don't identify themselves through uh, names. Each alien has a unique bioenergy spectrum. I guess that's something akin to an aura, and that's how they identify each other. Um, they did say that they were taking them back to their dimension and would bring her back, Nico, uh, to her to her own home uh, at a later date. So uh, don't worry about it. You're coming back. Um, but uh, the aliens did convey to her that um, us humans have an aura as well that is connected directly to our sun and our planets. So somehow our aura is locked in to the solar system that we're in. They went on to tell Nico that they've been visiting Earth for a very long time. And oh, by the way, about 3,000 years ago, uh, Earth had a fairly advanced civilization that collapsed and that current day humanity is in a very dangerous situation and that uh, they're here just to observe us and not necessarily, not necessarily to participate in guiding us to a better future, but they're they're very curious about us, especially over millions of years. They also informed Nico about their home planet and said that uh, their home planet is much more radioactive and that their bodies are much more radioactive and that they have to wear those silvery suits and helmets in order to protect humans or else they would radiate us and it, that's very potentially harmful to us. And so, I mean, you probably heard over the course of a lot of UFO encounters, people sometimes get radiation poisoning or radiation burns. And maybe this kind of explains why uh, a lot of these humanoids do seem to be wearing these weird suits, high radiation. Man. Um, they said that uh, they don't build cities or buildings on their own planets, that they grow them much like the way a plant would grow and that their average lifespan is about 800 Earth years. Uh, they do have the ability to transfer their consciousness and memories into uh, a new body. Um, they also said when it comes to sex and love, they do experience sex and love, just not the way we do here on Earth. And that if they want to reproduce, they grow that uh, offspring in basically a lab. And then during that process of growing that baby, they transfer transfer a part of their own soul into the new offspring. So it is a part of them. So they basically hack off a piece of their soul and give it to their offspring. And that becomes part of their lineage as well. Um, and so they kind of give, give Nico this kind of rundown on their, their lifestyle and how long they live, some overall generalities. And then they drop Nico back off on earth at her home uh, just a few hours later. And that was her experience of being taken up into the stars. So she got, um, she got much more information than anybody else did that you shared about today. Uh, and it, it kind of, um, it's interesting because the, the experiences are very different uh, yeah. from Antonio to Nico because uh well, I mean, so Nico, there was no sexual interaction, right? They just extracted genetic memory from her at some point while she was sleeping. Correct. So, yeah, and these and these aliens were nine feet tall. The ones in uh, Antonio from Brazil, they were all kind of five to about five feet tall. Mm -hmm. 
it, it seems like, I mean, we've heard this before, right? So there's different races of ET and aliens and, uh, and but you mentioned about the interdimensionality. Uh, it, it, I, I think you said that they told her that they were in that, that no, they took, they took things back to their dimension. I think is what you said. Yeah, that's what they said. So, uh, well, they, they did. They did say so. They, they were taking her back to their dimension, but they did say they were from a planet in the what we call the Orion constellation. Um, so I, when it comes to like different dimensions and different solar systems, it's tough to know on what plane. So they might be from the Orion constellation, but just from a different dimension of that constellation, um, much like. A lot of people back in the, the 50s and 60s here, they were having a lot of experiences uh, with people claiming to be from Venus. Uh, but the people from Venus that visited here on Earth, they claimed to be, well, we're from Venus, but we're from the fifth or sixth dimension. So it's not the Venus that you see. It is a different one that we experience. And so while... It's tough to wrap your head around. Yeah, they might be from a different solar system, but it's much more interesting to say they're actually from a different dimension. And it makes more, in honesty, I mean, it makes more sense to me, the d- dimensional aspect of things. Uh, it, there's a lot of logistics involved if they're not interdimensional that has to get covered. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and that makes sense too, because you have, um, you have like, we have our, on, on earth here, people have experiences to say with ghosts. Well, there's another interdimensional interdimensional aspect there, uh, theoretically at least. But we talk about you know things coming from other other realms and dimensions into our realm and dimension here. And so, say that thing went from uh, their its own dimension and realm to ours, and then from here went to Orion. They're like, I'm from the Earth area, but in a different dimension. It's it's basically the same thing, uh, and. With these humanoids, it seems like they have different um, ambitions, and like it goes along with a lot of people's claims of some are good, some are bad. Uh, it seems like the the nine foot tall ones wearing helmets to protect us from radiation, they were more peaceful than the one that takes Antonio and and basically makes him have sex with uh, an alien. Yeah, it seems like the the smaller ones uh, don't have a lot of regard for our our well being, and they treat us more like cattle. The taller ones seem to interact with us on a more uh, even keel, um, and that uh, the one commonality is that they're all interested in our DNA and offspring. Now, how they choose to go about getting it is totally different. Uh, it just seems like the the small guys uh, don't really care that much about how they get it. Uh, they just want it. And there's stories from Mexico um, about uh, large, uh, eight-foot-tall uh, humanoids coming down, landing down, talking to people, basically saying that, uh, yeah, we're here. We're kind of protectors. You know, we're... Uh, but by the way, look out for the, the small guys uh, that uh, do cattle mutilation. They don't have your best interest at heart. And so it does seem like the, the taller ones uh, do have at least some sort of empathy and sympathy for our situation, especially how traumatic it can be. And so they're, uh, it seemed to be a little bit more open with the information that they give. And uh, there's just a, a, a long history of tall entities, uh, whether it's in Mexico or Brazil or anywhere, that interact with people on a more even keel. Yeah. 
Well, either way, I wouldn't appreciate being taken. Uh, I, I chalked that up as kidnapping years ago and I'm sticking to it. Uh, there's some people that line up, Hey, take me, take me. I'm not one of them and I don't want to be taken anywhere. I don't like flying. Yeah. I'm not the, like, uh, I'm not really for it. I have a, a pretty good life. It, while it would be an interesting experience, it, uh, it's tough to piece it together. And by all accounts, it seems like not a lot of memories come back when, from these, these encounters. And, Oftentimes when people will just by accident happen across a UFO that has been landed down, they oftentimes have near-death experiences where they will see loved ones that have been long since gone. Um, it's almost as if the craft generates some sort of ability to traverse not only our dimension, but the death dimension as well. And that they go in between these kind of things. And when whatever kind of power source is, is revved up, it blends the two dimensions to where when you walk in that field, you're able to see grandpa who passed on or something like that. Um, and, and that these entities are, and they're able to go, they're able to get to us by going through these other dimensions. And uh, it's, it sounds like a weird experience. I'm not sure if I'm ready for it though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not ready for it. But it's very interesting to think about and consider. I think as uh, thing, I mean, as long as I've been podcasting, the last six years, um, it seems to me that there is a big shift going on where people are truly starting to consider other possibilities and understanding, especially interdimensional beings and interdimensional realms. I think it has a lot to do with the mainstream science and what they're willing to now talk about. It seems like people follow that. So the fact that you have certain mainstream scientists coming out and talking about other realms and quantum physics, I think it's opened up the the consciousness of people collectively to be willing to go down that road. Unfortunately, people are still waiting on those kind of cues, but it's also nice in, 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 sitting in my seat, seeing people coming forward to the table saying, all right, let's talk about this because I think it's important. I really do. It, like, so the, the powers uh, within the Pentagon, at least it, it appears that a certain number of them know what's going on, at least that we are being visited by something. Some of them uh, think that it is uh, aliens from a different star system. And then the other part of the Pentagon who know what's going on. They think it's demons. They think it's uh, something that is uh, not from another star system, but from a different dimension. And they, uh, they they liken it to demons, something demonic. Now, however people take that, you could say a demon is just like an entity, uh, but biblically, it, it, it does mean something. And for whatever reason, you do come across uh, stories where a person encounters an alien. They encounter some sort of non-human entity. They invoke the Lord's name and the experience stops. They will ask for Jesus Christ's help and their encounter stops. Uh, whether it is a Mothman encounter, I have audio of a guy saying, I asked for the Lord's help and Mothman went away or aliens. Um, whatever it is, it doesn't seem to interface well with Jesus Christ. And they don't like it. Now, I don't know what that means exactly, but it appear we are in some sort of spiritual battle and we're not being given all the information. I 100% agree with you. Uh, I, I 
the more I do this stuff, the more I really come to understand that uh, I think that we are spiritual beings and uh, we're in a, some kind of um, spiritual war going on around us. Uh, and you, you can go down the biblical route and talk about, define it that way. But uh, it's it for me, sitting where I sit, uh, it's much more fun to talk to people who don't necessarily come from that perspective. I shouldn't say fun. It's it's interesting to hear people that don't come from a, a Christian perspective like I do and still come with the same conclusions. And I I, I use the example a lot because it really caught me off guard. Uh, Joe, Joe Roop over at uh, uh, Fringe FM, uh, I was on his show and and he's Joe's not a Christian as far as I, as far as I know, uh, and he was even telling his audience when we were talking on his show that invoking the name of Jesus works to stop these things. And it's just it's really interesting to hear people who have different worldviews than me who still come back and say, "We don't believe what you believe, but it's really interesting how the name of Jesus stops these attacks." And, uh, and then they, you know, people will go into their own, um, definitions of what that means and all that stuff. But, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting to me. It's just really interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Obviously our, our human history is very curated, whether it is just within the past uh, 20 years or 20,000, it's a very curated and we get like a very thin slice of what may have happened on this earth. And if you I, I have a Bible. It's right next to the Quran. It's right next to Taoism, and it they all mean something to me, but for different reasons. Obviously, Jesus Christ was a master teacher when it comes to enlightenment and getting to the next realm, getting becoming a better human. And I think whether or not you are a believer in any of the religions, there are lessons to be learned from each. And, um, like whether, like, yeah, I guess you would have to ask a question. Why, why was the book of Enoch not included in some of the teachings uh, in the Bible when, uh, or what is the real history behind the, the great flood? Um, all these things like we talk about on these podcasts like this, but mainstream archeology span will refuse to indulge in this kind of stuff. They'll dismiss it as wild. Uh, tales and myths or and anthropology won't dig into this kind of stuff but it, it it certainly seems like the ruling elite know this stuff uh even going back to hitler and his occultism with the vril society they knew there was something uh non-tangible uh something you could interface with in this reality to get additional information uh to benefit whatever goals you have whether it is uh, taking over the world or for self-spiritual enlightenment and helping out humanity. Uh, there are ways to attain that knowledge through ritual uh, and sacrifice or prayer. It's just which avenue do you want to choose to get that knowledge? Some, some choose some pretty dark stuff to get that knowledge. Other people, it takes a lot longer to do it through prayer, meditation, and being a good human. Absolutely. Well, that is Midnight Mike from OBDM Podcast. Mike, tell people where they can get your stuff, man. You guys can go to uh, obdmpod.com or ourbigdumbmouth.com. Uh, we do a podcast twice a week. We stream live to Twitch and uh, we cover 
all the topics that I talked about, but also current events and uh, wacky news. It's just a show packed full of different topics. Man, listen, as a broadcaster myself and somebody who spent years in a tractor trailer driving and listening to the radio, I've been always fascinated by people who can be so quick with the uh, sound drop button and be so accurate on it. And in the truck, you're thinking, and I, I think about this stuff, uh, but in the truck, you're thinking, okay, there's the host of the show and then there's a producer and he's just banging away on the, the board and stuff. Dude, you do all that yourself. You're, you're leading the conversation and you're hitting the buttons at the same time. Uh, hats off to you, man. You do a fantastic broadcast. Uh, your, your sound drops are timely as always and the conversations are great and the topics are engaging. And so again, I really highly encourage people to check you out and uh, give a subscribe and start following because you're going to learn a lot over there just in, in general with everything that these guys cover. So uh, Mike, man, I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. That's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. Share the freaking show. Thank you very much for being here, friends. You guys have been rocking with me for a long, long time. In fact, I've been coming across some people that have been saying, I've been with you since episode three. I'm like, dang. Congratulations for your suffering. <laughs> We've come a long way in the last 500 plus episodes. Thank you very much for rocking with me, guys. And until next Tuesday, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Cutting it off of the food too, analytics they used to recruit you. 
Sun Tzu They don't want an individual just to carve a copy Truth spitting that man the cardi, yeah, I'm talking saucy All they wanna build is a prison world full of pet Tamagotchis They've been kamikaze, got me out of body like I'm Goku SS3 They wanna push me to the center like a cell, they wanna swim up at the center of the net